mic is hot. The mic is hot. Hold on, let me check. Yep, I'm hot. I mean, oh, you mean the microphone? Oh, right, right, right. Oh shit! All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Cracking One, One Open. Open. I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Elise. And uh, baby, what are we drinking today? <laughs> so we are drinking Lanai from Thimble Island Brewery in Branford, Connecticut. It is the largest self-distributing microbrewery in the state. Ooh. Fun fact. I work at a uh, I work at a bar here in Connecticut, and we've recently started to deal with Symbol Island. And mm-hmm. that's a big point when they that they make when they uh, answer the phone and the distributor talks about the brewery is that they are the largest single distributor of beer in in Connecticut. They, yeah, they Which they make a big deal out of it, and it's is, family owned, I believe. Oh, that's is cool. what I was told. Also, what makes it impressive their whole like range of distribution is just the the size of the brewery itself. We've been there a few times, and it's it's pretty it's a small operation, or at least it was when we went there the first time three or so years ago. Uh, it's a, it is a small operation, and what's even more impressive is even if even if they got more vats in, even if their canning operation became larger, mm-hmm. they don't. They have never expanded the size of their building. Yeah. So it's still very impressive the amount of output they can do with the size of the building that they have. I mean, this is no two roads. This is yeah. no bad sons. They're not taking over an old factory or warehouse. I mean, it is a little bit of a warehouse in the back, but it's not like yeah, it's an industrial park area, but- factory. It's, so it's very impressive. It's all the more impressive that they're able to put out beers that they can distribute all over the place and the variety of beers. Yes. The variety of beers that they do at Thimbaland is very, very, very impressive. They they pump a new one out like every few weeks, I want to say they're posting something new. Uh, every few weeks they post something new and every different weekend they have a new cask of the day. Yes. And their cask of the of the day is awesome mm-hmm. all the time. It's it's something that's always super interesting that always makes you want to go to Thimbaland on the weekend mm-hmm. to catch that cask, which is great social media marketing as well. Yes. For sure. So what do you say? Shall we crack it open? (laughs) That's the title of our show, so (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Ooh. I like that you can smell the the pineapple and the coconut just from the glass. It smells summery. It smells tropical. It smells fruity. So Lanai is a kettle soured wheat ale with an ABV of 5%. Uh, It's brewed with pineapple, coconut, and lactose. Thimble Island calls it their very own pina colada in a can. I can see that. <laughs> so it's part of their Sour Siren series, which believe, uh, debuted last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it includes the very popular Ruby, which is a tart blonde ale flavored with grapefruit. Rita, which is a margarita goza. Which you love. I love that. Uh, Violet, which is another sour wheat ale flavored with blueberries. I still want to find that. (laughs) And Georgia, which is a sour IPA flavored with peaches, which I'm also surprised you haven't tried yet. I need to find that as well. (laughs) Listen, I will find these beers and I will drink these beers. It is my promise. No matter what it takes. To you, the people. (laughs) For the cast. (laughs) It's for the cast. It's not. (laughs) Trust me, I won't enjoy it. Yeah, you will. (laughs) So Lanai is just the the newest installment in the series, and it might be my favorite. You like this better than Rita. I might. Uh, it, well, Rita, I feel like, is a very different animal than the lime goza from Two Roads. Oh, absolutely. Um, this, yeah. Rita is its own its own beast. Yeah. It, it is a margarita in a glass. But I think as far as the Sour Siren series goes, 
I think Lanai might be my favorite. Interesting. Because Rita's got the black pepper or the... It's, it, yeah, it makes itself very unique. The peppercorn. Peppercorn, right? yeah. So Rita has peppercorn in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like sours that you might have had. I, I mean, if you're listening not in Connecticut and you don't have a comparison to Two Roads, which ask your local I'm so distributor sorry for to get you. Two Roads. <laughs> Um, Rita is, is like Elise described, it is a margarita in a glass. If, mm-hmm. if you've ever had a sour or locally, you know, a local craft brewery that does sours and you've had one that's more lime focused, more margarita focused, that's kind of Rita, but with a black peppercorn kind of flavoring at the end, which is yeah, very something different, and very unique. The first time I had it, I was on the fence. I was on the fence. I was actually not a huge fan. The second time I had it, I thought it was okay, but we recently went to the brewery a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. I had one. And um, straight from the, the straight keg from the keg, and I don't know if it was because it was straight from the keg, or I was just used to the black peppercorn flavor. But or it I, could just be a, a new batch, a, a new batch. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes two roads, even my favorite Kaiser goes at two roads. I have some batches where I don't yeah. really like it that much. But this the Rita I had a few weeks ago went from meh to well, it was okay to the last Rita I had. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you've really enjoyed every Rita you had. Yeah. So I'm very surprised you liked the Lanai more. That being said. I love the lanai. Yeah. I think the lanai puts its own spin on what a sour can be. Mm-hmm. I think the pineapple and the coconut, both flavors come through perfectly. Yes. Without overshadowing or taking each other over. Mm-hmm. You get, hold on, let me take a sip so I can describe this correctly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Coconut. You know, I was going to say it's coconut and pineapple, pineapple and coconut, but you really, it is really both at the same time. Yeah. They don't end or begin at different times in the mouthfeel. What's great is um, if you're eating foods, I don't think this is the best maybe beer to eat foods with. No, because it might overpower, the, the flavors are subtle. The flavors are subtle, but they're there. Your food might overpower it, but at the same time, at, at the very least, it doesn't linger that much. No. Like I can taste like my mouth right now. Sweetness. <laughs> It's sweet. I get a little bit of a fruitiness, but I don't get an overpowering sense of the beer. Yeah. So it won't kill your food. Your food might not kill it. Although I don't think we've had this with a meal because no, why waste good. a good yeah. taste of a beer like this? But yeah, you do get it's It's really its own kind of sour because it's not mm-hmm. too salty. It's not too sour, which I generally like overly sour and overly salty. Yes. But I know a lot of people don't like that's I like the extremes. This is very relaxing. And the, sure. it allows the flavors of what makes it different to come out a lot more than other sours that we've had, like the Two Roads Tanker Truck Sour Series mm-hmm. or um, maybe Dogfish Head Sour Series. Yeah. Or I've had Six Point Sours as well that have really kind of overtaken any kind of other flavor you might want to put into it. Um, not saying that those are bad. I love those. But this really makes it stand out and makes it something different on its own, which I really enjoy. I would agree. And I would feel that maybe the lactose also has something to do with it. Uh, um, because it does seem a little what, different and i know it's a good thing I, yeah. I looked into that i know we've had so we've had a few beers with lactose in it now yes and obviously but milk very stouts have, very different very different yeah. and lactose not lactose uh milk stouts mm-hmm. have become quite a big thing lately i mean true. the last year or two especially during the fall and winter time mm-hmm. you get a lot of milk stouts which to be fair or milkshake ipas or milkshake ipas milkshake ipas aren't bad milk stouts I love stouts, but for some reason, milk stouts are not my cup of tea, mm-hmm. but I'll still always try them and always be sad that I don't like them because the name milk stout <laughs> sounds like something I should like. But baby, um, explain to me what, what the lactose is, what it does and why it makes this beer stand out from maybe other beers. Give me it's a little, true. give me, give me, give me your facts. So let, let me. Beer let me, presser, beer professor, <laughs> beer presser. I don't know. I don't know. We're at work on that. I All like, right. I, I'll, I'll I want there. I want a title. <laughs> <laughs> your beer, into, beer I'll get there. 
So yeah, beer brewed with pineapple and coconut definitely isn't unheard of, but it is unique, at least around here. And adding the lactose to a sour in particular makes it even more interesting. So lactose can be found in a few different kinds of beer, but like you said, it's most commonly found in milk stouts. And that can actually be traced back to 20th century England. Milk stouts were developed by brewers as an alternative to the much bolder porter. Um, and that actually technically happened around the late 19th century. And so what's going around on around this time is the modernization of beer as we know it. Brewers are learning how to create a base that's cleaner using specialty malts. And this is a result of a better understanding of microbiology and fermentation. And with this knowledge, beer, uh, brewers are able to offer more options and more different styles of beer. And all of a sudden, this milder and fresher and sweeter ale becomes much more popular. So technically, the idea for a milk stout belongs to John Henry Johnson. I like, mm. I like that name a lot. <laughs> J.H.J. Uh, back in 1875, who envisioned a nutritive beer uh, made with barley, hops, lactose and whey. So he he wanted something that was, you know, going to be super healthy uh, well, <laughs> or at least it could be marketed as healthy. Well, that's a lot how a lot of drinks nowadays begin. That's how, yeah. like, let's say, like Coca-Cola began as a medicine. Dr. True. Pepper is there a reason it's called Dr. Pepper? <laughs> Things like that. They all became they were all digestive um, or met or straight up just medicines, you know, mm -hmm. ginger ale for your your Ill, uh, your stomach illnesses. And Coca-Cola was like a cure all and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's how they all began, like beer that's healthy for you with lactose. I mean, who wouldn't want to buy that in the early 1900s, late 1800s, like back oh, then yeah. when when I mean, it's, you're, yeah. you're going around, you know, shilling like snake oil, snake basically. oil, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it tastes good. Might yeah. as well buy it. <laughs> if I'm going to die anyway, for I'll give it a try. So unfortunately, Johnny never got the chance to see this become a reality, mm. but others saw the potential in his idea and took up the task. So in 1907, a gentleman by the name of Mackison, who I could not for the life of me figure out his first name through a few Google searches. Just um, Mackison. Yep, Mackison. Uh, he brewed a lactose beer that was sent to market in 1910 with the claim that each pint contains the energizing carbohydrates of 10 ounces of dairy milk. Um, but obviously this was a pretty hollow claim and <laughs> um, and the British authorities mandated that the word milk be stricken from the label by 1946. Um, so the brewers had to get clever and they they just used names that were suggestive of images of cream and milkmaids and dairy, yada, yada. Nice. <laughs> so. Uh, this restriction didn't affect brewers outside the English mainland, so we still know it as Milk Stout. So Milk Stout has obviously proven to be a popular style of beer, especially recently. Um, and it certainly has a niche market with craft beer lovers now. Like I said, with the milkshake IPAs we see everywhere. But Irish Stouts still sell better worldwide, at least for now. I can see that. I mean, I do like stouts a little bit better in the wintertime mm -hmm. but just the milk stouts i just never really got into but i have had milkshake ipas that i've liked yes but for some reason there's something about milkshake or milk stouts and i will continue to try them and i will update this podcast when i find one that i like but it's very interesting that it was sold as a health remedy and that people shut yeah. them down about you know having the milk that's that's really interesting mm -hmm. so that's what i got for background i also like that a lot like this is like the second or third podcast where we've gone back in time with like I think just maybe once with the sours mm -hmm. where the beers we've looked up. Oh, this was so popular in the 1800s. And then just the last 
So like basically all these old guys and all you <laughs> fucking boring people who don't like beer and always give everyone who likes IPAs and Uh-oh. sours and stouts and these different kind of ales and lagers and cultures and give us shit because we like different beers and because you like Budweiser and Paps and all these boring shitty beers and you give us crap for it. You're only been around for the 40 years you've been drinking beer, old man. Get out of the way because beer has been interesting <laughs> until like the 60s and then you got into it and it was boring for 40 years. That's true. And now we're done with you. Get out. Your little like little blip on the radar. You're like the earth in the universe. Just this little tiny dot on the stain <laughs> of like this great recipe of beer. History beers. of beer. You're standing in the way of progress. Let these great beers that have had their time come back. You're the reason they got yeah. oppressed. Like all these guys had these great ideas well over a hundred years ago. And then you just wanted a bud. <laughs> like, get out of the way. Ugh. But, you know, I'm not talking to anybody who listens to the podcast, because if you're listening to the podcast, you obviously you have obviously great taste have and we appreciate you. Taste and you like other beers. If you like Budweiser, I apologize for my outburst. However, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but I encourage you to find, try to find a beer that is good, because if not, you will not exist for much longer. <laughs> Or you can continue to just buy small breweries, which you've been doing, which I'm fine with. Support your local breweries. Mm-hmm. So um, is that what you got for the beer? That's what I got. All right. So let me describe the can because I think it needs to be described. So I don't know if they're the only ones who've done this because I think we've noticed this another time. But Archer Art is kind of going around lately, it seems. Yes. So there were a couple of beer beer cans mm-hmm. that I, I won't name because I don't want to get anybody in trouble that seem to have very... Like Archer-esque. Archer-esque. Artwork. Artwork and names. Mm-hmm. Like Lana. I. Like Lanai. Just an eye at the end. Like Lana. Just kind of sort of looks I mean, like Lana from Archer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> coincidence? Just like there was an Archer type beer and then an Albert Einstein beer that happened to look like it was Albert Einstein from Archer. Truth. Um, but basically, that's what this beer can is, is like. It's a canned beer, not bottled. You get this in cans, which is kind of becoming, I think, maybe like the norm is more the, canning oh, the tall boys, yeah. cans over bottles. For sure. Uh, which I'm fine with because they're all lined now. So you don't get that aluminum taste that you yeah. used to get. Because I used to be very anti-can. Very When anti-can. you used to get cans, I used to be all about no. Yep. Um, and I still prefer bottles. But to be honest. Cans are cheaper. I, I That's not what I care about. I care about the taste. And, and to be honest, <laughs> these newer cans because they're kind of lined on the inside, mm-hmm. don't create the taste of can when you drink them. But it's a, it's a white background with a character who just happens to look like, like Lana from uh, Archer. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of the, all of the, um, the Sour Siren series have a very clean background. Look. Yeah. Correct. So this character that happens to look like Lana is wearing a white, like summer beach outfit, drinking from a tropical, fr- an unknown tropical fruit. Um, I'm going to say on. that's a, an unripened coconut. Could be. And yeah, that's that's basically it. It just tells you what, what the beer is about. It's part of this uh, Sour Siren series, which has a trident on either side and uh, the Thimble Island logo across it. So it really lets you know who's making this beer, what the beer is, what the title is. And it gives you an idea of, of I think, the image because it's a single human uh, is a single person image really gives you an idea of what this beer is going to taste like mm-hmm. based on what this person's drinking, the fruit that they're holding. They're drinking it out of a fruit with a pineapple on the end of it. Probably an unripened coconut. It really gives you the idea right off the bat. It's not like super clever or super interesting, but the art is really well done. It's really mm-hmm. clean. 
and it gives you the idea right off the bat. You're at the supermarket looking for a beer. You see that, you know what you're buying. Yeah. It's pretty easy. So that, that's, I think, is also good marketing right there. True. Because if you're trying to market your beer as being something specific like this is, that artwork sells exactly what kind of beer you're buying right mm-hmm. there in the can. And that uh, right there is my review of the can art. So speaking of reviews, you got anything for us, babe? Well, since our last episode, something has dawned upon all of us. Something has descended upon all of us that it is finished. Mm-hmm. And that is the San Diego Comic-Con. Where all all nerdly things come to present <laughs> and let us know what's going on. Uh, one day we'll go. <laughs> uh, we got tickets to New York Comic Con. Hopefully yeah. oh, they yeah. announce some cool stuff and there. New York Comic Con holds a special place in our hearts. We've gone, it, what, five times now? Mm-hmm. And we're local, so it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's an hour train ride. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. All right. Well, I will start with the biggest of news for me, which is Star Trek. Shocker. That's right. If anybody watches this podcast or even Forgotten Cinema, I think I bring up Star Trek at least once an episode. Yeah, I think that's a. Oh, this guy was in Star Trek. Oh, that was in Star Trek. So <laughs> it's 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 a staple of my podcast to mention Star Trek. So Star Trek Picard obviously is about Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. It's going to premiere in 2020. And they finally had their first full release trailer, not a teaser, an actual trailer for the show. It's still a little bit of a teaser in that it doesn't really give away a lot of the plot, mm-hmm. but you get some ideas of of who's in it, what it's about, where it kind of takes place and what Picard's place in the world, this world is. Some of the cool stuff in the trailer, which you can see pretty much anywhere on the internet now because it's yeah. released, it's free to see, which I know the San Diego Comic-Con has been doing a lot of. They used to do a lot of, oh, only you guys are like the ones seeing this. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. It, Everything that goes viral now, it makes so much more sense Right. To spread the the excitement, build the hype. It's better to build the hype than to have something leak and then have people not be able to see it or see it in a quality that's not what you intended to be yeah. seen as. No matter what you release at Comic-Con or, or, or really anywhere, that's not like a, maybe a private investors group where you don't, co- if you don't collect people's cell phones, there will be a cell phone video of it. Yeah. So you might as well just release your better quality video of the thing. So Picard did. Uh, so Picard, obviously, Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard. What we learn in the in the trailer is he's at the vineyard, which we knew from the teaser poster, mm-hmm. uh, Chateau Le, uh, Picard in France, where he's been making wine. He's retired. He's sad. He's got a dog. Um, he's looking back on his oh, life. You know, with regret. be a good marketing strategy. What's that? Release a wine. I have been thinking that the entire time. Oh my god! <laughs> um, when they released this trailer before San Diego Comic Con, across the street there was the Picard Museum. Mm-hmm. Where they had all these different models from the show of the ship, like the Stargazer, which he was captain of for 22 years mm-hmm. before he became captain of the Enterprise. Um, nerd alert. Yes, I know. I know a lot of that stuff. <laughs> um, and then he went on to the Enterprise. You should try watching Star Trek Gen- The Next Generation. Elise <laughs> uh, has been watching Next Generation with me, trying to catch up. And I just keep feeding her with facts as we watch it. I feel like it's like a pop-up video kind of way of watching it. But it uh, is. she hasn't hit me yet. So I think we're all right. Well, I... I remember staying up late like it it was my excuse to stay up late with my parents when they were watching the start the Star Trek series as it was airing. So that was exciting for me. I don't remember. Obviously, I was very young. I I wasn't too into the story itself, but just the memory of staying up late, you know, it makes it special to me. So I, I enjoy rewatching it now with you and having that <laughs> connection. All right. Well, that feed of new information. Here's why I like Star Trek. For anyone wondering, 
So my parents were obsessed with Star Trek and I was as a kid, I wouldn't say dragged because I like Star Trek as well as a child. I was brought to all the different conventions with all the different actors. I met most of the most, if not all of the cast mm-hmm. of the next generation and some of the original series on these conventions. But as I grew up, because Star Trek premiered the year I was born, I believe my first full sentence, not my first word, but my first sentence was where no man has gone before <laughs> in the crib while Picard was saying it in the end uh, on the title of the show while they my parents were watching it one night so that's i am star trek star (laughs) trek is me we are we are one (laughs) we are what we are so anyway so that's a little bit about my history with star trek so we learned that patrick Stewart's back he's got the phone he's got the the winery we learned that something has kind of made him retire from Starfleet, something bad. And it seems like he's just kind of a little sad that, you know, Romulus, obviously, after the last Star Trek, the first of J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, Romulus blew up and he was pretty big on trying to make peace with Romulus. Data died at the end of the the Nemesis or his spoilers, his robot body died at the end of Star Trek Nemesis. Didn't really die, kind of, but he's all upset about that. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it's just Romulus kind of ruined him, but it looks like a girl has come back. Or mm-hmm. a girl has come to Earth looking for Picard who needs protection. And she has some kind of powers about her. She reminds him of something. And we don't know what it is. It could be Romulans. It could be the Borg. Or it could be Data. We don't know exactly what this girl is. Is mm-hmm. she an android? Is she a Romulan? Is she a Borg? The trailer makes it very unclear. And that's, I think, one of the one of the things that I like about the trailer is they show the girl numerous times. And that keeps intercutting Romulans. That intercuts Borg. And then it intercuts Data. So you really don't know. Like any, oh, she must be Data then if he's sad about Data. No, oh, she must be Romulan then if she's sad about Romulan. Oh, no, she must be Borg then because he was Locutus. <laughs> like you don't know who this lady is. And you go through and he, Picard meets Seven of Nine, which no one knew she was going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Seven of Nine is played by Jerry Ryan from Star Trek um, Voyager, who was a Borg herself, like Locutus, who became human again. They also announced on the show that, or uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, that Hugh will be a character on the show. and Hugh. You haven't gotten to yet, baby, but I have not. Hugh is a Borg who they find in an episode and are able to get to they were able to disconnect him from the Borg collective. So he starts to have his own personality and they send him back to the Borg. But he's now not part of the Borg. He's kind of undercover. He acts like he's with the Borg, but he's not. He's a um, double agent. Uh, yeah, in, in, in a way, he's just his own person. They're, they're able to kind of break him out of the collective. Um, So he's going to be on the show and he hasn't been on the show I think the last episode he was in was season five, maybe even season three. So we haven't seen Hugh for almost 30 years. Wow. So that's that's going to be interesting. Also announced, I think right after or right before Comic-Con is that Riker and Troy are going to be on it. They got mm-hmm. we're caught filming scenes. Um, obviously, the trailer at the end reveals Data's in it, mm-hmm. either as Data or as a hallucination. So now we're just waiting for uh, Gates McFadden, um, who plays um, Dr. Crusher. Beverly Crusher. Uh, we're waiting for... LeVar Burton, who plays Jordan LaForge. Mm-hmm. And we're waiting for Michael Dorn, who plays Worf. And those are the those would be the remaining three main cast members. And of course, what I know you're waiting Will Wheaton? for Will Wheaton because he is a <laughs> social media darling. Uh, Listen, I've been a huge show. fan of him since high school. So That's, he is the main character in your favorite movie of all time. So yes. I understand that. Stand by me is your favorite Stand movie. By me. Um, I have his signature. <laughs> I also have this. <laughs> there is no uh, word on uh, Wesley Crusher as of yet. But these are all things He's that could happen. He's good at keeping secrets, though. And there are numerous seasons. And, you know, hopefully this isn't the only season of Picard. 
So we'll find out, I guess, in 2020 what's going on with uh, with Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. Who's going to actually be in it? Who's not going to be in it? But I'm very excited for it. The trailer looks amazing. What he says, engage at the end with a smile on his face. Oh, yeah. You it's, know he's loving every second of that. service. Yep. Um, I, I'm really happy the show's out is coming out. I'm really happy they're continuing the next generation kind of storyline that Captain Picard gets a second chance because Captain Kirk has always been my hero growing up. You mm-hmm. know that. I mean, he's 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 everyone's, I think, boyhood hero. But as you grow up, you kind of learn that even if he is your hero growing up, Captain Picard is the best captain, I think, in terms of being a captain. He's the role model you should look up to, not the guy banging every alien that he can and and, <laughs> and is always ready for a fight. And like uh, Captain Kirk's the man. Sorry, absolutely. Shatner. He has he was he'll always be my favorite. But Captain Picard should be the one that you maybe. As a captain, as a leader, as as if you have any kind of leadership role in life, he's the one you should kind of look toward as as kind of like where you should be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he inspired all the captains after that came after him. Uh, Cisco is very similar. Janeway is very similar in terms of not like impulsive cowboys that kept the Captain Kirk might yeah. have been. They're all after that. They're all very good. I mean, I like Cisco a lot. I like I don't like Voyager. Spoiler at all really but i do like captain janeway um she's one of the only really good characters in the show and and she was a very good captain she was a captain a very good leader and captain and stuff mm-hmm. like that and that's i think all inspired after picard was like we should make them more realistically yeah. like in charge of hundreds of people than someone who just is like what you call me <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really excited about the captain picard series excited about where it's gonna go excited about who's gonna be in it where it's gonna continue the storyline because we're back now in the prime storyline, the main mm-hmm. Star Trek storyline, and we're continuing forward with it instead of looking back at like the Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto stories, which I also really love. Yeah. We're finally going forward and continuing the storyline that people have invested, like I've invested my entire life in. I've watched from Next Generation through. So 30 plus years of my life have been Star Trek getting up to that point. So it's, it's I was afraid we were never going to this with Discovery going even further back again never going to go forward and now we're finally going forward and seeing some more stuff so i'm very excited for that you're adorable that's what i got (laughs) are you on ups because i got i got more san diego comic-con stuff if you don't got nothing but i would say after you there were a a handful of things that i was excited about from san diego comic-con the biggest takeaway for me was the His Dark Materials trailer. Of course. Um, <laughs> so uh, the Golden Compass was something that, that I read back in, I want to say, either third or fourth grade before Harry Potter. Oh, that long ago? Yes. I didn't think you read it until it, like a little It was way up. above my reading comprehension level. Like, So what I'm excited about, let me backtrack, is that they're going to tackle the story more in depth, which I think is... Part of the problem with the movie adaptation from back in 2007, I love Daniel Craig. <laughs> That's damn right you do. But That's my boy. <laughs> um, I think there was a, a, a good reason why it flopped. And so the books are very critical of religion, or at least its effects and its control over society. And the movie pretty much ignored that. On purpose, um, the writers acknowledged that, that it was kind of a too complicated storyline. And I think that's what made the Magisterium seem like a very boring, quote unquote, bad guy. And to be fair, like I said, I read it very early. I The religious aspects of it completely flew over my head. What's interesting is, uh, folks, 
For those I went. Who don't know, she went to a <laughs> religious Catholic school. Yes, I did not. But the 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 world that Philip Pullman created, the fantasy of it, is what really sucked me in. And I think the movie itself tried to appeal to a younger audience, and that's why they downplayed the the more complicated storyline. And what I found amusing, um, there was a a quote that the that movie was actually the reason why George R. R. Martin wanted the Game of Thrones to be a television series rather than a feature length film simply because I don't think that they could tackle it in like the, the full depth of the story in that. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. For game of Thrones, the amount of information, I mean, they even game of Thrones, if you look at it cut out, Oh yeah. Like eight or nine major characters that are in the book that he talks about. Like <laughs> there was a tweet he tweeted or an Instagram, uh, some social media post where he goes, what's going to be different about my ending? Well, yeah, it's going to be pretty much the same. I don't want to spoil it because Elise hasn't watched it yet, but I'll give my, you <laughs> my thoughts complete. when I finish yeah. it. She's getting closer. What's going to change about mine? Well, this is what happens to these characters. And he lists like 10 other major characters who no one ever saw in the like, I'm like, yeah, who with the pig? Who would like <laughs> there's like a girl, I guess, who has a pig pet and like she's been walking around the thing like <gasps> there's like a whole bunch of characters who don't exist in his series because even the series itself doesn't have time to focus on them. Imagine yeah. a even a three part movie like Lord of the Rings, even if you did a three and a half hour movie for three movies like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. You would never have enough time to focus on political machinations of yes. Game of Thrones. Well, for Lord of the Rings, I know there are, I know someone I work with who loves Lord of the Rings, the novels, does not like the films mm-hmm. because they gloss over some stuff like the George R. R. Martin parts of Lord of the Rings, the political machinations, how things work in the underbellies, the religious aspects mm-hmm. of everything. But Lord of the Rings at least gets the plot line correct. True. Getting the ring to Mount Doom, stopping Sauron. Yeah. And your main fellowship. But- Game of Thrones, the plot is the political mechanizations. The plot is those things that you can't focus on. Okay. So that, does that mean you're saying Game of Thrones did not follow the plot of the, the books themselves? No, I'm or? saying that that's, that is the plot of the books is the political okay. mechanizations are the plot of the books. You can't do that as a movie because yeah. there's no like really like straight line through line you can make, okay. which would help for films and does not a good film make. It does make a series. So he was smart in that. Yeah. That being said, I like I liked the Golden Compass movie. I, I got to well, say it was it was fun. It That's was fun. It I was, liked it the was, polar bear fight. It was, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yorick is um, such a good character. <laughs> I can't wait to see their interpretation. of. I the, do like Daniel Craig. Giant. She didn't do a whole lot, though. He did, he wasn't a big part of it because I think they hoped for sequels. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. And I'm, that's why I'm excited and hopeful that this series is going to be good is they already picked up a season two. Well, from what I read, that season two is going to be book two. It's going to be a book per season yeah. and they're just going to sprinkle in some stuff to make you excited about the next seasons throughout it. I am perfectly fine with that. But um, I also thought Nicole Kidman did a fantastic job. See, as the villain the in the first I Golden don't Compass. You didn't like did. her? No. See, in the books, and, then, and that's my next point, is um, they actually got permission from Philip Pullman to dig a little bit deeper into the character of Mrs. Coulter, who is now played by Ruth Wilson. And who was, I really like from Luther. Okay. Yeah, she and is fantastic She was previously played by Nicole Kidman in the 2007 adaptation. Um, so they're going to be able to delve a little bit deeper okay and see more of her character on her own with her monkey demon um explain explain demons to the cast who might not have seen the one-off movie (laughs) so they everyone in this world has a demon which is an extension of basically their soul as 
the person grows older and develops the per- the demon takes the form of a specific animal but basically it's their their conscience their not so much their ego maybe their id imagine a mer- imaginary friend mm. who kind of is part of your brain yeah they're they're a manifestation of of your thoughts which yeah. is what an imaginary friend usually is they act upon you know you blame your imaginary friend for breaking the dishes or something that's yeah, and because you did and you felt for guilty pretty much it. everyone in this universe, there is a not a visible, but a physical attachment. Like you can only go just so far from your demon before you're in like literal physical pain. But for whatever reason, Mrs. Coulter can be separated from her demon, this golden monkey, and no one really knows why. So they're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. And I'm really excited for that. Did the books not dig into that? Not as far as I remember. Now, I've only I've reread The Golden Compass several times. That's the first book in the series. The next book is The Subtle Knife. I only read that once or twice. And for whatever reason, I'm a terrible fan. I never read The Amber Spyglass. So I I really got to get on that before (laughs) the series premieres. Which is soon, correct? Uh, Fall 19. Yeah. And that's on both BBC for anyone who is listening to us overseas. And, and HBO. And HBO. Which is interesting collaboration. I think BBC has a history, and I, I kind of like it, of of hooking up with other people that help them make their series. I know they, they do a lot of Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, Peaky Blinders, which I've mentioned on this show before, which I love, which the new season is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. They um, are collaborative with BBC to help make the show, to help fund the show. I know Netflix also collaborates with Star Trek Discovery. Oh, which I didn't know. Interesting. I knew that Star Trek Discovery was shown on Netflix International. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in the Americas or I think Canada, it's shown on their sci-fi channel. Elsewhere in the world, it's shown on Netflix International. Now, Netflix, I didn't know this. The 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 deal was that's fine. CBS will give you the rights to Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Netflix basically pays for the entire show. Oh, that's why Discovery looks like a motion picture on every episode, because Netflix has bankrolled the show. I was wondering how CBS had the money for that, (laughs) Uh, although they are the number one network in the country because Netflix basically pays for the show for the rights to show it throughout the rest of the world. CBS gets to show it in America. So they're all benefiting from each other. So it makes sense. Exactly. It's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship. But I noticed BBC seems to be the um, the most willing of a lot of the networks mm-hmm. to to co-produce, which is why when you look at Netflix's like suggestion pages, yeah, at least for us, maybe it's because we're Anglophiles. files. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's a lot of British shows yeah. that are suggested because they help fund a lot of them because they work together, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. But I'm excited for his dark materials. Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. is really yes, cool. Yes, that's that was my next point was. <laughs> um, so during the panel, I, I mean, I was expecting excited just knowing that he was going to be involved in any way shape or form because is he doing a song yes oh my god oh no i i was joking <laughs> his character literally makes his grand entrance on a hot air balloon with a song oh uh, but isn't he playing daniel craig's character no oh i thought he was playing daniel craig's character no oh no james mcavoy james playing, mcavoy is playing daniel i Craig's. love james mcavoy oh, i so love I'm james okay mcavoy i'm so excited for him to play lord Azrael. But um, with Lin-Manuel Miranda as uh, Lee Scoresby, who I don't remember who played him in the original film, but he's he's the guy who uh, makes friends with Yorick. Um, sure. I remember a giant polar bear. Yes. Uh, yeah. And right. I remember the little girl. Lyra. Lyra. Something. She was uh, she was another either she was another Fanning or another Dakota. I remember her name being very similar to yes. Dakota Fanning. 
which shame on me, I didn't do my research because I'm saying this right now and I have no idea. But she was incredible in that film. That, she was. That little girl was really good. And she actually, I believe, made some kind of she she reached out like she like she really wanted to be involved in this um, this production in some way. And I don't know if she is or not, but That's she was bad. fantastic. She, I, I thought after this film, she would go off to do a ton of stuff. Yeah. Because she was so good. Mm-hmm. On that polar bear, I have not seen in even a Coca-Cola commercial <laughs> since then. And he was so good. <laughs> I hear he did his own stunts. Oh, I wasn't affecting that. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, that's what I have. So his Dark Materials premiere soon, fall this year. Fall 19 BBC, on HBO. BBC or HBO. Yes. All Check right. it out. All right, so more Comic-Con news, guys. All right, I'm going to go with uh, The Witcher because I like The Witcher a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Witcher. Now, did this start out as a book series as well? Yes, The Witcher was a book series. Okay. I believe it is Scandinavian um, in origin mm-hmm. or somewhere up north, northern Europe. I could be wrong, but I believe Scandinavian novels, which became a TV show in the early 2000s as well in Europe um, and then became a video game series based on the novels as well. Okay. So The Witcher obviously takes place in a world um, not our own, kind of like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, something a little different. Mm-hmm. It's its own fantasy world. However, it's very much more related to Game of Thrones, I would say, than Lord of the Rings. It's very much based more on sex and politics and religion than it is on magic monsters and all that. Okay. Although magic and monsters do play a bigger part than I would say in Game of Thrones. So a Witcher who is going to be played in this series by Henry Cavill Ooh. of Superman fame. Nice. So a witcher is part demon, part human. Now, the witcher are, I believe, if I'm getting this correct, it's been a while since I've played, are kind of created by humans. Okay. They are born and then their blood is spliced kind of with demon DNA Mm -hmm. to make them better hunters of demons, to make them better trackers, to allow them to use magic, to allow them to use spells and to allow them to have some kind of resistance, strength and healing abilities against these monsters that they are then trained to kill around the lands. So the Witcher, obviously Henry Cavill's Witcher has kind of yellow eyes. He's got gray hair. Although he is younger, he can use magic. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the Witcher. Now, the video games, that which are what most people know, especially nowadays, especially in America, those games, I believe all three of them take place after the novels. So they're all sequels. This TV series is not going to be based in the games, which do change a little bit of it okay. in terms of how Witchers work and stuff. It will take place... Toward the beginning, it's based on the books themselves. It's not based on the games. It takes nothing but from the games, although there might be a few Easter eggs here and there. Mm-hmm. It's based on the novels, which are going to be more political, obviously more talking, more more stuff that a video game can't focus on because it's a video game you need to be doing rather than seeing or saying. Mm-hmm. But Henry Cavill's Witcher gets me- mixed up in in something that involves Yennefer, who's a powerful witch, and Ciri, who's a young girl with a, a destiny who doesn't know what her destiny is yet. So... Those who know, obviously, the video games, who know the the books, know that um, Yennefer and Ciri are very important to Geralt of Rivia, who is the Witcher, mm-hmm. who's Henry Cavill's character. Um, Yennefer is a, a a love interest of sort for him, and Ciri becomes almost like a ward or almost a daughter to him later on. So it's going to be very interesting. And this is in the video game world, so who knows in the novels? I have not read the novels. Shame on me. Although I am very interested, and I do want a new book series to read because I'm all cut up on all my James Bond novels. <laughs> Um, so I'm either going to probably read Witcher or it's up to Witcher, the Altered Carbon series, or actually reading Game of Thrones next. I don't know which I'm going to do, but we'll see. Maybe the Witcher because it's coming sooner. 
So I'll finish the Witcher book. That makes sense. But we'll see. But either way, in the in the in the game series, that's who they're related to Geralt. So it's very interesting to see how they'll end up with him and how they all kind of come together. Mm-hmm. But the series in the trailer very makes it look very dark, very evil, very mysterious. What's interesting is you see some stuff. You see sigils being made. The Witcher making some magic. The Witcher killing some people up in the thing. You see his horse Roach, who's a good horse. He's mm-hmm. a good boy. <laughs> who's his 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 horse? Um, and you see at the end, he's got these, um, Henry Cavill's character, Geralt, the Witcher has these black eyes with these like veins coming down from his eye sockets and stuff as he's waiting for this giant spider to come out of a bog, which I believe is him using a potion to make himself able to stop this, this spider because a big part of the Witcher series is the Witcher's not only no spells, but potions okay. that enable them to be immune to certain things or to see certain things that the regular world doesn't see. Hmm. And a lot of the monsters in the Witcher are are very much based on kind of like the grim fairy tale kind of monsters. They oh, are, that's cool. They are they are wraiths that are not quite ghosts, not quite zombies. They are the Jabberwocky type things. They are they are they are witches that are malformed with the long fingernails and mm-hmm. and possess people. They are giant spiders and things under the bed. So I am I am I'm pretty pumped for the show. I think it can be of all the shows that are listed as the next Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think there will be a next Game of Thrones, to be honest. I don't even think the prequel series, which I'm very excited for, yeah. will be the next Game of Thrones. See, that's the thing is they were they were kind of hawking his, his dark, dark materials, materials as the the next Game of Thrones. Because and that's HBO. Yeah. And that's what they've got other than their prequel series date, Game of yeah. Thrones, which will come out soon. I Everyone mean, now that, that would be over, amazing if it turned out to be that popular, but I really don't think it has that. I don't kind think of it's pull. that mature. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's ready. Uh, nothing. The Witcher looks great. It's not going to be the next Game of Thrones. The yeah. prequel series to Game of Thrones won't be. You can't catch lightning in a bottle again. I mean, yep. how many things after Breaking Bad and it is like, it's going to be the next Breaking Bad. It's going to be the next Breaking Bad. Yeah. They're all canceled. There are no shows yep. that used to announce that. To be that fair, Better, Better Call Saul had a, a pretty decent following for a it's long still, time. It's still on yeah. and it's still good. But it's, it's if you look at its, it's following, just not the same. it's like a quarter of what Breaking Bad yeah. was. And it's not the same show, which it shouldn't be. No. Which is fine, which the prequel show shouldn't be either. It should mm-hmm. be its own identity. But you can't call it the next Breaking Bad. Yeah. You can't. Uh, but of all the shows, I think this has the best chance. So I, I'm very hopeful for it. They say it's going to be released before 2020, sometime in 2019. But hmm. Netflix has a habit of not announcing their shows until right before they premiere. Yeah. So we'll see when it actually comes out. But if you have a chance, check out the trailer. Like I'm very Apple. excited for it. Play <laughs> the game. iPhone. Yeah. Just when <laughs> By the it happens. way, it's here. Yeah. So keep your eye on Netflix. Check out the trailer if you want. Um, Henry Cavill, which I love, is a who I love is a huge gamer. Like he's really? a, he's a six foot something dude, chiseled, all the all the most perfect features you can see in a man. And yet, dude plays World of Warcraft every day. Almost missed the call that he got the <laughs> Superman. Ma'am! Almost missed the call that he got the <laughs> Superman role because when. Uh, Zack Snyder called to say he got the role. He was busy playing World of Warcraft and rating a Larry. Like that's literally what he tells everybody in an interview. He has played The Witcher multiple times and actually kind of. That's um, awesome, though. He wanted this role. He went for this role. This mm-hmm. was a role he wanted. Kind of like Zachary Quinto, who was an amazing Spock in the reboot mm-hmm. of Star Trek, wanted Spock. Henry Cavill wanted to be Geralt of Rivia. Knows the games, knows the series, knows the books. So, so can I backtrack for you half can, a sec? Absolutely. So in the San Diego Comic-Con panel, Lin-Manuel explained that he basically accepted the role, not knowing what role he would be playing, just knowing that uh, the writers had proposed to him that he be part of the series. Because when he and his wife started dating, they read the series together. Aww. 
So like he they were already huge fans and he was just like, all right, I'm in. I don't care. Like <laughs> I will make it work. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of how I would be if somebody yep. cast me in uh, Star Wars or Star Trek or um, James Bond. Yeah. Give me a role. Any I, role. I, I'm I, in. Do you need me to name a whole bunch of them? Somebody offer me roles. I'm awesome. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. If somebody offered me one of my dream roles, I'd be. Yes. Uh, Mr. Butler, we'd like to be you to be in Star Trek. Yes. yes. <laughs> they would just have to say Star because it could be Star Wars, too. And I, I would have said, yes. <laughs> we'd like you to be in Star. Yes. Star Walk. What? What is that? No. No. What? Damn it. Oh, I already, you know, two added already said yes. Verbal contract. <laughs> yeah. The Witcher. I'm very excited about one of the things in San Diego Comic-Con. I can't wait to see. I hope it's great. Mm-hmm. The games are amazing. So, yeah. So what else you got Comic-Con wise? You got anything for me? Not really. I mean, I was excited to see the panel for The Good Place, which, like I mentioned last episode, is ending this coming season. But the the cast seems super optimistic for what it has in store. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for that. And also Rick and Morty had that clip to show us. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 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 So yeah, Comic-Con had a bunch of little bits like that, like Rick and Morty is going to be before the end of the day. <laughs> Before the end of the year, um, they Rick and Morty also announced that they're starting season five already. Ooh, we aim into that. In terms of writing it because yeah, of the new contract, the they contract. can already start and they yeah. can actually release them earlier if they get done earlier. Yes. So their new 70 episode contract actually makes it easier for them to start working on stuff, not having to pause because they were going contract True. by contract. Yep. So the season ended, renegotiated contract. Now they can start. Now they have 70 episodes contracted, so they can just go whenever and adult swim because of their very kind of loosey-goosey nature of Mm -hmm. how they do things, which is good. It's not an insult by saying that at all. If Rick and Morty's done, they'll start playing it earlier. Yeah. So that's very cool. Um, So my next one is for San Diego Comic-Con is something that, I mean, I'm not too excited about. I've never been the biggest fan, but I do like them. I do watch them all. Is the Marvel panel, of course, which everyone Mm -hmm. has to talk about. So I'll talk about it. So Marvel Phase 4 was announced. Multiple projects. Phase 4? Phase 4. So they what do them in phases. You don't know phases? No. Come on. You're supposed to be up on Nerd News. That's the whole <laughs> point of our show. So for I'm sure most of you know, Marvel does all their stuff in phases. The first phase was up to something, and then they did the first Avengers. And Phase 2 ended with another Avengers. And now this is Phase 3 with the Avengers on Game Infinity War. And then oh, Spider-Man okay. was the last of Phase 3. Okay. So That makes sense. This is Phase 4. So now we're at a whole new era of money grabbing, money grabbing Marvel movies. <laughs> yes. Ready for samey directing and cinematography. Uh, ready for stories that are pretty good that you love because they 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 start characters that you have some kind of connection to. That being said, I do love some Marvel stuff. I, I'm going to poop on Marvel a lot, but at the same time, I love the Captain America movies other than Winter Soldier's ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't like Civil War. I, I there's a lot I don't like about Marvel, but a lot you still like about Marvel. Yeah. Which you hear me and Field talk a lot about in Forgotten Cinema as well. So even though we poop on it a lot, we still do enjoy the films. We watch them yeah, all. We I mean, own a bunch of them. They're they're inescapable. <laughs> they're inescapable. So. They're fun. They're just very samey. But they've announced Phase 4, which is going to be very different from the other ones. Because okay. now a lot of the actors' contracts are done. A lot of the actors are dead. <laughs> I can't really go into Spoilers. it because Elise has not watched a lot of them in a while. But there are some uh, movies coming out like Black Widow is coming out, which is going to be the first movie which comes out next November. So we do have the longest break in between Marvel movies I think we've ever had since the first Iron Man. So it'll be interesting to see oh, how wow. much money it makes 
coming into it? Will it make more money because people are hungry for these films or will they mm-hmm. finally just have gotten over them because you haven't given them a dose in a while? They've they've kind of gone into rehab and been healed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Black Widow will take place in both the 90s and in between Captain America, Winter Soldier and Civil War. So it'll be a prequel in two ways, slightly further back in time by a few years and then way back in time, explaining okay. how Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's character, became the Russian agent and then how she became part of shield. Mm-hmm. And also I believe it is about her protecting someone who could end up becoming the newest Russian black widow uh, assassin, protecting her and bringing her to safety and fighting against David Harbor of stranger things fame. <gasps> Detective Hopper, Sheriff Hopper rather is going to play the Russian equivalent of captain America. What? Yeah. So in the comics is the <laughs> Russian equivalent of captain America, whose name I can't remember, but he's essentially playing him. So she's got to try to protect this girl from him who wants her back. She was part of the assassin program. So I believe he's going to try to, you know, she's going to have to fight him. And the main bad guy of the film will be the taskmaster Mm -hmm. um, who is a, in the comics, a skeleton faced (laughs) or masked hooded character who trains and studies all superheroes and tries to copy their moves verbatim. So Anybody who's played the latest Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4 has fought Taskmaster because he comes to Spider-Man and learns all his moves, puts them through the series of challenges, and then you fight him and he punches exactly when you punch. He kicks when you kick. He jumps when you jump. He, mm-hmm. That's how he trains. If you have a shield, he'll get a shield. And so Black Widow's going to have to fight that guy. So it'll be interesting to see how he his corniness is brought into the real world. So that's the first one, which... Might be right. Might be good. I, I do like the fact that the Captain America movies are more like born identity movies with a little bit of a superhero tinge. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping Black Widow is going to be the same. The next, obviously, for Disney Plus is going to be Captain America and the Winter Sol- or Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Captain Falcon. Captain Falcon, who became Captain America at the end of Endgame. Um, Captain America gave him his shield and basically said, you're the you're Captain America now. So okay. I'm interesting to see how this show goes, because in the comic series, Winter Soldier had a chance at being Captain America for a while, Bucky. And mm-hmm. then it was Captain Falcon who had a chance of being Captain America for a while. So uh, they were both Captain America for a little while. And this show shows stars to both of them against Baron Zemo's character. Again, the character, same character from Captain America Civil War. So we'll see how that goes. Then we've got Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is a kind of like a seedless superhero. So it's going to be interesting to see how he is dealt with in the in the realm of of DC Comics. Shang-Chi is a Chinese um, or an Asian-American superhero, or he will be played by an Asian-American actor. I don't know where he hails from. And he's essentially the son of the Mandarin, who's a big time Asian terrorist in the Marvel Comics world. Okay. um, Who's been hinted at in the Marvel movies. Um, And he's able to kind of, he's kind of like the Iron Fist in terms of his martial arts ability and his skills and being able to, I guess, bring about his superpowers through chi and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess is it'll be a martial arts type movie, which will be pretty cool. Maybe like a matrix type of thing. Yeah. But it's cool that they're reaching out, branching out, and it's going to be an Asian superhero kind of movie, which I think is kind of in now with the Asian market, trying to get them and and Crazy Rich Asians came out. Yeah, and all that. that was So they're really, really trying to bank on a lot of that because it made a lot of money. And I think chang is just part of that, which is great. And it's not just great because they can make a lot of money on that, but because you don't see a lot of well, it's smart to be inclusive. It's inclusive. There's an Asian hero for the first time in a long yeah. time. I can't remember the last time there's been a, like an Asian hero since like a Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. It's been a long time since there's been an Asian character who has been front and center as, as the hero. Yeah, it's a long time coming. So Chang chi should be cool. And that I also believe that comes out in February of 2021. So I actually think I was wrong in terms of. So Black Widow came out, comes out in May next year. 
not November. November is going to be the Eternals. Okay. So the Eternals is going to be Angelina Jolie, um, who's Angelina Jolie, famous for being herself, basically, yeah. at this point. Richard Madden. To, I'm not who, really excited <laughs> for that because literally, like, she is famous for being... Yeah, but she's still okay in her role. She's not bad. <laughs> Richard Madden, who is Rob Stark, who is also oh. in um, The Bodyguard on Netflix and BBC, which is a, supposedly a very good film which or show, which I do want to watch. Kumail Nanjiani is going to be a character. <laughs> um, Lauren Ridloff, Brian T- Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, Leah McHugh, and Don Lee are going to be in it. And it's directed by Chloe. I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Chloe Zhao. So the Eternals are a group of of immortal people. In the comics, the Eternals are the name of Thanos's race of people. Okay. Who are all extinct for Thanos. So I don't know if they're going to keep that or to say they're a different race of Eternals and not compare them to Thanos. Mm-hmm. But they're essentially brought, they're made by the Celestials, who is Kurt Ru- The Celestials are Kurt Russell. Oh. He's one of the Celestials from okay. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. To protect them yep. from another race of beings of godlike beings which i can't remember what they're called so the eternals are supposed to protect earth from that so they're all thousand year old immortal beings who are protecting the world from these other supernatural or science fiction aspects so it seems really out there hopefully it'll be good it seems really strange but again a lot of these phase four movies are are very different from what they were doing there's also wandavision which is a show about um Obviously, the Scarlet Witch, Wanda, who's played by Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, oh, okay. because they're a couple in the in the movies, mm-hmm. and now they have a TV show together. That's gonna be that's gonna be a TV show on Disney Plus. I don't know much more than that, other than it's gonna be really weird. <laughs> There's also the Loki series, which is coming out on Disney Plus in the spring of 2021, starring Tom Hiddleston. Okay, which, I was gonna say, is it gonna be? Yeah, anybody who's seen Infinity Wars. Spoiler, but everybody saw it. Loki dies at the beginning of the movie for reals. He gets his next nap. For real, for real. But in Endgame, they go back in time to try to fix everything. He picks up the Tesseract cube and zaps himself out of time because Avengers done fucked up. So this will explain what Loki did when he kind of freed himself in fucked up time. Okay. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm hoping it'll end with him sacrificing himself, knowing that he messed up time, because I think it's time for Loki to go personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's the most interesting villain. I think they did all he can with him. Mm-hmm. He went from villain to kind of hero in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of, and his ultimate sacrifice in Infinity War brought him full circle. Yeah, so his arc is his pretty arc much is done. done. Why would you continue with him? So I know a lot of people are fans of Tom Hiddleston's character of Loki. Yeah, but that but doesn't mean that his story should continue just exactly. because he has fans. He can't, he's done his bit. He's expanded as a character. Then there's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which sounds like a Lovecraftian title, which I was going like. to that almost sounds like a carnival ride. <laughs> yep. So it's going to be a kind of horror movie. It's going to be the uh, Marvel Marvel Universe's, according to the director, first horror movie in a way. Still PG-13, but still a horror movie. Interesting. Um, and it's going to be Doctor Strange, um, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen's character is going to also be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to take place about the multiverse. And anybody who saw Doctor Strange 1 knows that it was pretty trippy and dealt with the multiverse. Different universes were different things and aliens and weird monsters can happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how that's going to turn out. Doctor Strange is one of my least favorite Marvel movies because I didn't think it had much depth to it. Okay. So we'll see how the multiverse of yeah, madness works. Yeah, that's one that I still haven't seen, so um, I can't speak to it. Yeah, the effects were really cool and the trippiness was really good in Doctor Strange. That's the one where people were actually getting like physically sick yes. in the theater, right? Yeah, with everything like moving around and combined. 
Marvel is also doing a What If TV series that takes place in summer 21 on Disney Plus. And the series will be an animated series of What If, like What If Peggy got the Captain America serum instead of uh, Steve Rogers mm-hmm. and other kind of things. So it'll star the characters and the voices. And I don't know exactly how the animation is going to be, maybe the mocap of these actors <laughs> and basically explain like, these what if things so i guess michael b jordan's going to be a character so it's probably going to be like hey what if he beat black panther and black panther one chris hemsworth samuel jackson tom hiddleston Haley atwood uh, atwell paul rudd jeremy renner karen gillen natalie portman dominic cooper stanley tucci neil mcdonough that's a fantastic cast. sean gunn take a toby jones jeff goldblum juman hunsu uh michael rooker chris sullivan and david daschum dast malchain Ugh. Chad Bosman, Mark Ruffalo, Josh Bullen, Sebastian Stan. Basically, almost everybody's going to be in there. Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright's going to be the voice of the watcher, who I'm going to guess is going to be the host of the show, kind of presenting these Twilight Zone kind of versions of the Marvel <laughs> series. But essentially, everyone who's ever played a character on these movies will be in this, which could be cool, could be corny. I don't know. Yeah. But it's what the people want. It's what the people want. You got Thor Love and Thunder, which is coming out November 5th, 2021. Thor Love and Thunder is Natalie Portman, Chris Hemsworth. and Tessa It looks Thompson. fantastically 80s. The Yeah, the title looks super 80s, like an old metal rock cover uh, album. I would have that poster on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Thor, obviously, is going to be played by Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman because in the comic series. Which guarantees that you're going to watch it. Oh, yeah. I love Natalie Portman. <laughs> Uh, do you hear that, Natalie? We love you, Natalie. Uh, Natalie will play the female Thor because in the comic series, when Thor becomes unworthy to hold Mjolnir, or however you pronounce it, his hammer, mm-hmm. Jane picks it up and is able to wield the hammer. Now, in the comics, Jane has cancer and she's going through chemotherapy. And every time she wields the hammer, it um, erases the chemotherapy from her body, thinking it's a chemical. Oh. So she becomes weaker and sicker because she can't heal herself of her cancer. But she still does it to defend Earth and the Earth realms against all the monsters and stuff because she's now female Thor. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting to see how the comic series and the movie series kind of blends that together. Um, a lot of people I know online have said that the female Thor comic series, in the last couple of years, even, sorry, male Thor, the, the writer that has done the best job with the comic series probably ever of all of Thor comics. So it'll be interesting how he brings that to the main screen. It's also directed and written by Taika Waititi again. So it'll be interesting to see how that jo- director who who settled more for jokes for the last Thor deals with something of a more serious subject matter that like that. Then the most exciting news, which is not part of phase four for Marvel, but the only news I cared about is that Mahershala Ali has been cast as Blade in a Blade film to be announced at a later time. We don't know when it's coming out at all. We don't know if it's going to be rated R, PG-13 or vampires or monsters or what he's going to be doing. If he's going to play him as British like the comics or as American like the movie. But it's pretty much guaranteed that he's going to rock this role. I will tell you this. In whatever capacity. Not probably seven months ago, I was sitting down with Mike Field. And we were talking about Marvel movies, reboots or something like that. And I said, you know who would play a really good Blade? Or maybe we were talking about Mahershala. And I said, Mahershala would play a great Blade. He would be a fantastic Blade. And now here he is as Blade. And apparently he approached Kevin Feige for the role. Well, you have a sense for these kind of things. I do. So he approached him for the role and he got the role. Kevin Feige said, when Mahershala says, I want to be this, you Mm -hmm. make him this. 
And so this role is going to be his. I hope it's rated R. I think that would do well for Marvel movies because they haven't done a rated R movie yet. Yeah. It, it, it's time. Uh, Blade is a more adult story. You're dealing with vampires. Oh, absolutely. People. You need to go darker with that. People expect the original Blade. That's what they're going to hope for. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to go for. Anything else is going to be a disappointment. It's going to be disappointing. It's going to cop out. It's going to be like, oh, you're trying to hide the rated R-ness yeah. of it. You're dealing with blood. You're going to have a lot of blood. Yeah. That's just a fact. I really hope they go R-rated with it. However, no matter how they go, I'll probably watch it because Mahershala's Blade is what I wanted. Yep. So I'll see it. But not being part of Phase 4, which goes, which goes through 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, when is this movie coming out then? When are you starting to film it? I'm like, uh, I hope this isn't a 2025 movie, but we'll see. But that's what I've got from San Diego Comic Con. Which is apparently the theme of this episode. It is tends to be the theme. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for our San Diego Comic Con themed episode. Yes, even though we're far from it. Uh, mm. So, guys, if you like this episode, please like, review, and subscribe to Cracking One Open. It's available wherever podcasts can be found. Let your friends know about it, your family know about it, let your worst enemy know about it. He probably <laughs> likes beer, or she probably likes beer, or knows somebody who does. They could probably help us out a little. Bit. And everyone likes pop culture. Who doesn't? We just went through an entire gamut of different genres right today. <laughs> um, so that's. Cracking one open with Mike and Elise available wherever podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Kraken One Open. That's right. We have a Facebook page now. We're legit. Woo! Um, in terms of me, yeah. I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy, writer-director Mike Field, where we talk about movies that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences as a whole. And we look back on them and talk about maybe why they've forgotten, why they should be remembered, and what made us remember them in the first place. So we do a rewatch, and you guys can uh, listen along as we try to convince you to give it a rewatch. I've also got Two Player Bros that I do with my brother Alex. It's a show by two brothers who play way too many video games where you could join me and my brother Alex while we talk about news, reviews, and previews about all things video game related, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, uh, Nintendo Switch, or PC and VR. Yeah, listen to us talk all the things video games. So if you like listening to me talk, I've got a lot of ways to listen. And as always, a special thanks to our composer and performer Joe Reichert for our theme song. So till next time, cheers. Oh, yeah. Also, try out Thimble Islands Lanai. Lanai.